You are now tuned in to the Windy City Benders Podcast. This is WCVP. All right. It's another edition of the WCV Podcast, part of the Hockey Podcast, and we're presented by DraftKings. It's Jeremy. It's Tanner. What's up, bud? Nothing much, man. Just enjoying some playoff hockey, you know. Playoff hockey has officially started, and it got off to a roaring start uh, last night, Monday night, with uh, Tampa Bay and Toronto. I think set in the tone for uh, what should be a very fun series. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, also, only Toronto showed up for that game. Yeah, that was surprising, but I think we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, last time we recorded, we were still dealing with some Blackhawks hockey, and mercifully, we have been put out of our misery. Um, the season has come to a close. Um, guess the highlight was hey, we eliminated uh, Vegas, but did we? <laughs> we did because Dallas had the chance to close it, and they blew it against the Coyotes. The Coyotes came back. Well, the thing about it, too, is like. Dallas actually eliminated Vegas and we eliminated Vegas within like each thing happened within like a five minute span. We did it first. I don't think we did. I no, think that Dallas clinched the overtime point right before Tyler Johnson scored. Didn't they need two points? The shootout goal. No, they needed one. Oh, just one. Yeah. So they, they clinched the overtime. It point. was one and the Hawks had to win in any form in any fashion. No, no, because Vegas had to win out. And they had to have Dallas lose out because Vegas would have had the tiebreaker because they needed, they were down by four points. So it was either if the Hawks were to just eliminate or if the Hawks were to win in any fashion, Vegas is eliminated. And if Dallas was to get one point, at least then Vegas is eliminated. And those things happened almost simultaneously. I don't care. I'm taking it. The Hawks fucking funny. I'm saying oh, yeah. the Hawks was at that game was great to see. Everybody was happy. Uh, crazy stat with that was Vegas had so many opportunities to 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 wrap it up in the last couple games. It was three games all went to shootouts. Yep, it was, it was 0 for 17. Yeah, <laughs> are you kidding me? 0 for 17, and Logan Thompson was like 14 for 17. That kid. And he's he, yeah, good. He was getting left out to dry in those fucking shootouts because how do you not score once in 17 chances? Um, I think the funny thing too was on TV. Uh, I think it was Alec Martinez or no, Braden McNabb. Um, <laughs> on the broadcast, was it Colby Cohen? He was between the glass, I think. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. I think like it was he Colby. had, yeah, he had the Dallas game on his phone and, and while like overtime's going on, like Brady, Mc, Brady McNabb's not going in in overtime. And so he's literally sitting on the edge of the bench, looking in between the, the glass and he's just watching his phone to see what happens in the Dallas game. And like, they showed it on TV. Like he's just sitting there staring, just like seeing what their season, <laughs> like what's going on with their season, just not even paying attention to the OT at all. And I was just like, that's kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> Me, Nolan, and Poets are sitting at the game, and we're like, oh, my God, they should just put the Dallas game in the Jumbotron, like, on the yeah. inside, so just Vegas can just constantly be looking up at it. Oh, my. That would have been such a mind fuck. <laughs> and you were correct. I look it up. Um, Yeah, it was Dallas gets one point or Vegas loses in any fashion to the Blackhawks. So, yeah. But whatever, the Hawks, the Hawks eliminated. You're welcome, hockey world. Are we cool now? Like, let's go. Yeah, um, bring it. 
<laughs> give us the love back. Yeah, we cool. We cool. That was good. No, no. Okay. Um, but yeah. So, I guess yeah. Real quick, we can go through the season wrap up. Um, you know, actually, one thing, quick thing too, about the show. Sunday, we hit five years with this. It has been super awesome doing the show. Um, just got to give a shout out to everybody who continues to listen. Um, it's been a lot of fun. We've been doing a lot of cool shit that I never in a million years thought we were going to be able to do with this. So, um, thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll see what else comes around. Um, but all right. So quick little season wrap up for the Chicago Blackhawks. And, um, from our expectations, I would say we rate this as um, an epic failure. But here's the real question. <laughs> from, from, from our preseason predictions. <laughs> right. So from our preseason predictions, it's an epic failure. But did it deserve to – did we did we really get what, what should have been expected? Or are we just that blind by loyalty that we were just like, no, 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 this is realistic. Like, what do you, what do you think? Do you think we put too much pressure on this team or. I think we were definitely blinded by like our bias. Um, And just with the moves that were made, I was like, Oh, Hey, like the Hawks have a chance at making the playoffs. And then it was like, no, they don't. Apparently that's not a, that's not a true thing With, with the way that season started was just a, a fucking shit show. I mean, you can't, you can get one win in like 11 games and it's just bad. Like the whole organization, like having that, the issue of the Kyle beach, like sexual assault yeah. situation, like does not help the team like in any fashion either. Um, the good things about the season uh, don't have Jeremy Carlton anymore. And we don't have Stan Bowman anymore. Um, I think those are great pluses. And the bad thing about it is that I didn't get the satisfaction of Sam Bowen being fired for what he deserved to be fired. And yeah. I will always pin that as the last fuck you from Bowman to me. <laughs> but specifically. No. Yeah. But no. So, I mean, there was some good that came out of the season. There's a lot of bad. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I always like to play the what if Monday morning quarterback and that first 11 games, it's like if three, four, I don't even know. Like I just, that start is, is always going to be like a what if to me because yeah, not saying that, okay, if they would have won half of those games. They'd be in the playoffs playing right now kind of thing. But it's like, you had a different situation coming in where you had maybe we didn't go with Carlton right away or or this team bought into Carlton a little bit quicker and they gelled a little bit quicker and all that kind of thing. Like how, how different this season could have played out. But, I mean, there's no way to, to, to know that. I mean, this team finished 28-42-12 and 12 for 68 points, seventh in the Central. Um, thank God for Arizona. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the Hawks tried to not, like, be good towards the end of the season still. Like, at least they were trying to win games at one point. And then they were just getting goals and giving up goals, like, back and forth. They were a very streaky team this year and not in the good way where they would lose a bunch and win a game and then lose a bunch and win a game. And it just – 
it's unacceptable. Like, I'm sorry. I still think that any team with Patrick Kane on it and now else to bring it is a team that should be competing. And I just realized that the Hawks were tied for last in regulation wins. Like wins that only went 60 minutes for the Hawks. They only had 16 and they're tied with Montreal. <laughs> How bad is that? God. Um, here's some good, here's some of the good, um, Patrick game was over a point was Patrick came was over a point per game player, led the team with 92 points, very sneaky, 92 points. Like, I mean, you knew he was putting up numbers, but like, there was a time, like I even laughed. He was on my fantasy team and I looked, I was like, Holy shit. Did you know he was like flirting with 90 points? (laughs) Like I had no idea it was that high. Um, I think it's safe to say the brink gets back. Yeah, he uh, he got your 40 goals that you called came a little bit short of the 90 points. Yeah, only 12 points shy. Not bad. He tied his uh, career high in goals. I was hoping he'd break it, but he had a pretty lackluster April where he just went on such a cold streak of scoring. But he got so many assists during that that cold streak, which was so weird. But he also set career high in assists and then points as well. Um. Seth Jones set a career high in assists mm-hmm. as well with 46 on the year. Um, came second in the green jacket competition. Uh, was so close. Keith Yandel led, just... led the league in average time on ice, though, too. I don't want to just mention that. <laughs> I'm still going to say, like, you can say all you want about how we got him, what we gave up for him, the contract he signed. I still like him on this team. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't hate him on this team. I hate everything about how we got him and what we signed him for. Could could we have waited a season and just get him in, in the free agency? Probably. I I don't think we would have, though. I don't know. Like, but the, at that point, we, we if we went full rebuild and we didn't go this alternate route and acquire Seth Jones, Tyler Johnson, Marc-Andre Fleury, um, we, I mean, we would definitely be in a better off place right now. We would have our first overall our first round fucking pick and <laughs> we'd probably still have Adam Boquist. <laughs> like yeah who who he had a, a pretty goddamn good season too i think he ended up with more goals than Seth Jones or no he definitely ended up with more goals than Seth Jones let me see where is Columbus Boquist dun, dun, dun. he's right here he um, had 11 goals, 11 assists in 52 games. So, I mean, is that right? Why does it seem like he only – I thought he played more than that. He he was hurt a lot, and he got Did hot he? at the he, – like, he was very hot for, like, a, a span of a little bit of time. Yeah, that's why I thought he had better a better season because you don't hear much about Columbus, like, outside of Columbus. No, so. and the only reason you hear about Boquist doing good is with all the people that are against the Sam, or the Seth Jones trade. They're like, oh, look what Boquist, Boquist is doing. Look what Boquist is doing. Mm-hmm. Did you notice that got very quiet as the season went on because he cooled off. He was hurt. He wasn't – I don't know. I still like – I'm still a Seth Jones guy. I still like him on this team. I, I wish it was a different situation. I wish it was maybe – going like you know year three of this rebuild maybe like we're ready to compete yeah again but i think he's still going to be a really good piece to have um around this around this team going forward um 
Another good thing I'm going to say, too, is Jonathan Taves. Uh, 12 goals, 25 assists, 37 points. When he was healthy, he looked good out there. And especially towards the end of the season, it's it's a shame like the season ended when it did because I felt he was really getting his groove back and yeah. really being the Jonathan Taves we know. And I'm really hoping that that's a sign that he's going to be able to get healthy, you know, take the another long offseason to, you know, get healthy, keep training, and come back next year ready to go and be Captain Serious again and and really uh, get things going for this team. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope that's the case. But like you said before, like if if the off season has like a few changes and Taves wants to be on a team that's competing, like I can still see that happening too. I would love for him to stay, but I mean – I I don't know. I, having having the the past few years be so difficult and complicated, and him not really getting the chance to compete, um, I can see that like being pretty fucking annoying. I truly think the best value that this team is going to get from from a Jonathan Taves trade is going to be at the trade deadline. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's not going to be it's not going to be over the summer. No, it's going to be one of those that's going to happen at the trade deadline. It's going to be really complicated like three team trade where everybody's eating salary. But I I mean it doesn't have to be cuz you can get a team that has injuries, you know, and then they true. have that cap space there and the Hawks just retain like 50%. And you get like it's ba- it would basically end up being like a Giroud trade this year. Like spends his whole career in one on one team and then goes and goes and competes for a cup. Like I can see that. Yeah, that's true. Um, but this whole narrative of, Oh, is Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane play their last game in a black hot sweater. They haven't, they will be playing nah. with this team at least until Jonathan Taze, at least till the trade deadline. Patrick so. Kane, unless, unless something pops up and like the big comes draft up. day. Yeah. Like, and they get, they get a first, which I don't think they would be able to get a first. I I don't think so either. I don't think Jonathan Taves gives you a first round pick. And even at 50%, I don't think so because that's still, that's pretty expensive. Maybe a fifth, three years from now or a first round three years from now. Do like a Tampa Bay where they trade us two draft hits like later on. Maybe. But even then I like, I don't know. I just, I don't see him getting what people expect for his value because of his contract and mm-hmm. because of his history the that past couple seasons. I do think that he is the type of guy, like, I don't know. I'm just too, like, I'm very curious to see what the difference is between Kyle Davison and Stan Bowman, because yeah. Taves keeps talking about transparency a lot. And like, there's no transparency. He's not, he's, he was surprised by the Hagel trade. Like he was ma- making hints that he had no idea that was coming and all this kind of stuff. So I'm curious to see what, at what level Davidson is keeping Taves in the loop. Yeah. And if he's like, doing that on purpose to try to be like, get the fuck out. It's just so it's weird. Cause it's like Davidson's doing what his, he's, his job is, you know, right. he's making these moves to make the team better. Like you shouldn't have to like run it by Kane and Taves and and like get their permission to see if it's okay to trade Hagel. Like, oh no, I'm not saying that. I'm no, thinking, I know. Like, but yeah, you're taking this. You like 
typically it's like the your two stars of your team who are coming up on a contract year and all this yeah. kind of stuff and be like, Hey, this is what we're doing. This is the direction we're going. Yeah. Think about what you're like, think about what you want to, what, if you want to be part of this or not. And it sounds like Taze is implying that he's not getting that information. Like he's not getting the full, the full spectrum, the full story about what Davison is looking to do. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Kyle Davidson, you mentioned this earlier before we start recording, like he did say today during his end of the year press conference that there is a spot for Taze and Kane on this team going forward. Yep. So again, you got two guys, no movement clauses. They control their fate. The only people that can trade them are themselves. So, yeah, and, I mean, Kaner's come out and said that like, if we, if we make a deal with the Brinkett and he's signed like, long-term or, or just has a contract after this following season, like then it makes his decision much easier to stay, you know, like, which is understandable. Like, cause if, if the Hawks were to move to bring it, like if I was Kane, what, like, what would, like, why, like, why would you even want to play that? Right. Like you have such good chemistry with somebody and it makes it so much fun and you get your points, he gets his points and like, you're just tearing up Chicago, like just killing it with each other. And then if you just if you're moving somebody to like plan for the future, it's kind of like, all right, Kaner, like go out there and do everything yourself now again. Like, nah, man, like <laughs> like I'll go compete somewhere too. Yeah. I just think it's it would be ridiculous to not have to bring it long term. And then of course then Kaner would stay, and then he's got the chance to just break those franchise records. And like I said during our tax conversation about some of the stuff, I'm like, man, I am just so beaten by Bowman's way of stuff. Every time when Debrinket said he wanted to be here long term, I'm like, well, fuck, that means he's probably gonna get traded. And you, <laughs> you called me an abusive ex-girlfriend type of situation. Like I just I have <laughs> crush issues now and all this kind yeah. of stuff. But but again, yeah, it's just it's such a weird feeling going into this offseason than normal because before I couldn't even tell you if I ever fathomed the idea of 19 or 88 being traded. So all this like what if and you know uncertainty out there it's it's a weird weird feeling yeah i i honestly just i have zero uncertainty about kane or i'm just pretty uncertain about his yeah it's funny how but like you said it like, would make so much more sense if it was a trade deadline deal i think that makes the most sense too it does too that's yeah where, that's where the hawks can get the most trade value and probably and then that's also like if your no trade or no move clause comes into play, like that's where you get to see like what teams are in what positions to make the playoffs. And then you get your 10 team, no trade list or whatever. And then if you get moved to whoever, probably in the East coast team, what if you wouldn't like to the Rangers next year? <laughs> What's even better too, by the trade deadline, we should know what the salary caps can be for the following year. So yeah, there is rumor like that next year we could start seeing the salary cap jumping. Um, so that might make the Hawks a lot more valuable too. If they have a bunch of salary cap coming for the next season that they were able to take on something, but. Well, yes. Yeah. So what were some, uh, some surprises from you from the Hawks this year? Some like pleasant surprises, some not so pleasant surprises. Pleasant surprise for me was, I guess, the mo- little moves that were made throughout the season. 
showing a lot of good potential. Um, like the radish trade, picking up radish. That's a um, that's such that's such a pleasant and unpleasant moment for me. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, radish, like he, ten points in twenty one games to finish the season is pretty great. Um, nice little replacement for Hagel. Um, although I do re- I did really love having Hagel on this team. He was so mm-hmm. awesome. Uh, I think a really quiet surprise is uh, the Sam Lafferty trade. Mm-hmm. I think that w- that's been a good one. Like the whole breakdown of the trade of basically getting Yoki Haru and then trading him for Alex Nylander and then trading him for Sam Lafferty. It's like kind of a mess, but I like where Sam Lafferty played this year, how well, like his intensity and energy that he brings on the ice. And then I mentioned before, but uh, or before we started, but um, he actually like by the end of the season, because Ryan Carpenter was no longer on the team, he led the forwards in um, average shorthanded minutes per game. So he's like one of our top penalty killers. Which we like that. Plus, plus we, he got a little two year extension. Yeah. 1.115 million cap hit. I mean, that's, I think we were saying that too. We were saying like, or I think you were saying like right around a million and like, that makes sense. Yeah. I was saying like anything under like 1.5 would be awesome for him. And we got very well below that, which is great. Um, So I'm really excited to see a full season with him. Um, Yeah. Yeah, little little spider monkey out there, little energy out there, fucking. I can see flying. him being, being a trade piece at the deadline next year too. Just because, like, of the, the way that he plays, the energy he brings to the ice, he's one of those guys that a team that's like pushing pushing for the cup is going to want on their like third or fourth line. If he continues what he's been doing from this past season, at least. Um. Uh, some. Slight disappointments for me for this season are like surprise. I don't know, surprising. How would you word that? Surprises, batter. I don't know. Anyway, Kirby Doc <laughs> not taking off. Yeah. I I kind of felt yeah, I kind of felt he was this is gonna be his year to finally get off and get going. And he only puts up nine goals, 17 assists for 26 points. Um still not ready to call him a bust. I think. What's going to be key for him is the next coach in charge. You have to figure it's going to be a coach that's good with prospects that is developing guys because, you know, that's what majority of this team's going to be. It's going to be, you're going to see a lot of younger guys on this team next year. Um, and I really think they need to explore moving him to wing. I think give him less responsibility on the ice let him simplify his game a little bit. And I think that's going to go a long way for him. Yeah. I mean, he, his game did focus more on the defensive side this year. And he was talking about that. Like he was getting a lot of matchups against top lines and he was just, he was enjoying that and just trying to drown out the critics. And I think that once he gets like really settled in um, when there's like a lot less pressure looking at him, I think he's going to, blossom and be a really good player i think it's it's the other thing too is a he still doesn't play his size and with the hawks that are getting or they're kind of getting like acquiring like pretty big guys i think he's going to start to see that like this is the way you can play when you're a fucking big boy when you're six four but he's still only like a buck 80 
or something like that. Like he's, he just, once he fills out, he's going to be really hard to fucking push around and his hands have been sick like forever. So if he, if he's able to dangle around guys and then stay in front of the net and not move and play well defensively, I, th- I think it's just one of those things. You're just going to let it, let it kind of just go, just let it go, let it grow. I think it's going to surprise a lot of the haters. He needs up. to cut and talking about his hands and his dangling around people. I think he needs to take one dangle less every time because I feel he always tries to push it one extra one. And that's where he stumbles a little bit. It's just that that's your like, that's your like, oh, I got this guy. And then boom, uh, fucking gone, loses it. Yeah. He's, I mean, we'll see what happens because I feel like he's shown some like flashes of like, holy shit. Yeah. That's why I like him because he's got like, he just did something so nasty and it's just like okay i i it's almost like i want him to do it all the time but it's really hard for to like to pull off that kind of stuff like so frequently and i think it's because of like during his rookie season he was doing stuff like just dangling around like veteran defensemen and you're like oh my fucking god this kid's gonna be insane um i think another like good surprise has been dylan strome this year too see i was gonna say the other way you think so? I yeah, I still my one of my disappointments is that he's still on this team. So I I'm glad that the Hawks didn't pull the trigger on trading him because one of the things that I looked at is uh I think part of the issues too have been the inconsistency with the coaching for him. And then when he finally got settled in, and I don't know if you would agree, but like he probably got settled in on Debrinket and Kane's line at like June January. Is probably when it happened. So, I mean, just going off of his stats from January 1st, he put up 41 points in 49 games playing on that line. And before then, he was thrown all over the place with Mm -hmm. Colleton as head coach with his weird defensive scheme that, like, did not fit anything that he played. And then when... Derek King came in, he kind of had him all over the place a little bit still, like in and out of the lineup until he finally put him back with Kane and Debrinket. And then that line just kind of stayed like that for the rest of the season. Yeah, I don't know. I think they'd a full season if he was able to do that with with them, like they would have a good year. Like he was putting up fucking goals this year. He put up a career high in goals. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I... I really believe that you should have capitalized on it when he was hot because he has he done also nothing. won a lot of faceoffs this year too. He hasn't done anything to prove that this is going to be him going forward. You know what I mean? Like it's just, he's such a streaky player that it's like when you had the teams like, okay, we could possibly use a Dylan Strom type of guy, you know, for the playoffs and all that kind of stuff. I just, I don't know. I'm just not sold on the guy. Like, I just, he's looked good, but it's like, okay, so we have to put him with Kane and Debrinkin. And the second something happens, well, remove him, he's going to go play shitty. Like, come on. Like, well, he's the perfect complimentary piece to that line. I know, but so, but I'm saying, like, if something's not working or one of those players goes down, you're essentially losing two players then because he clearly can't play with anybody else. Well, no, because they had him on third and fourth lines. Those aren't those aren't our offensive like minded like 
playmakers and shit like that. He needs to be playing with guys that are making plays, like not playing defensively, not doing defensive zone starts and just trying to block shots, get the puck out and change and get the fucking scoring lines out there. Yeah. Like that's where, that's where fucking Carlton had him going all over the place, him on the third and fourth line. And then he's pissed that he's like not playing defense well, but the whole team fucking sucks at defense. Yeah. And you've got this guy that's really good at, he's got much better vision than most players. And I don't know, like, He's second on the team in faceoffs one and faceoff percentage. I yeah. Well, Tyler Johnson had the highest faceoff percentage, but he only took like fifty fucking faceoffs because he was hurt like almost the entire season. Right. But I don't know. He, I just he, he he had a good year. Like once once he got put on that line, he had a good season. He hasn't had that opportunity in I don't know fucking how long. <laughs> well. We'll see. I mean, because he's he's here for another year. No, he's yeah. not. He's an RFA. No, he's not. Yeah, he's an RFA. He's essentially here for another year. <laughs> like, well, that's the thing. Like, there's like rumors that he's they're not going to sign him, and I think that's kind of horseshit. I think could have moved. I, huh? Especially if they could have moved him. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just I just don't think that it's good. It's a good reason to just get rid of an asset like Dylan Strom. When he's also what second on the fucking or not second, but like top four in points. Yeah, he's fourth in points. It's not saying much with this team, to be fair. Okay, but still, <laughs> fourth in points is not is not like a no, joke. Forty eight points yeah. is a solid. That's like for the longest time, Jonathan Taze was in the, only the fifty point range, and everybody oh, and he was an amazing like fucking player. He's at 48 points. Sure, he doesn't really play the defensive game, but he plays on the power play all the time. He plays a, a, a good role on that line. I think he's just he, – he fits that line well. No, I, I agree with what you're saying. I just – I don't know. I just – I can't buy into a guy when it's just – consistency is so over the – like, it's all over the place. It's like – He's a very consistent player. He's very, very consistently bad or very consistently good. There's no like, hey, let's just be a good player, cons- like nonstop. You know, I'm saying put up 12 goals every three games or something like that. But it's like, do like the little things and all that. And it's like, I just, and you keep saying like, he's not a good defensive player. And that's a huge thing too. Like, it's I'm just saying he's not put in, like, he's not going to be put in good defensive spots. He's more of an offensive player. But he also, what is it? Let me find it too. Cause I think he was like, third or fourth on the team in takeaways. He was third on the team in takeaways. It went to Brinkett, Taves, and Strom. So what now, bitch? I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm very curious to see what they resign him for. And I, I think what he's going to want is not what he deserves. And it's going to be and just because we are in a rebuild and we have cap space and all that kind of stuff, I don't want them to just to throw money at him just to, to have him on the team. Yeah. I still want them to do the right moves to, to make this team better and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know. What about, what, what do you think about uh, Kubelik? That's another guy. Like I, I'll tell you what I think about Kubelik. I wish we kept Suter. <laughs> be a suitor i wish he was still on the team i liked him a whole lot more um and i guess you could toss dylan strome and kubelik it's it's 1a 1b with those two guys it's 
it's their their potential to be very good goal scorers, make a huge difference out there, but they just cannot find the consistency to do it. I think Kublik is probably the most snake bitten player in hockey right now. Like just the game when we were at against Vegas watching him, the amount of times he hit the post or he flubbed a shot or something like that. It's just like, man, the yips that guy must have this year is uh-huh. insane because he is a lot better than what he put up this year. He's a lot, he is a lot better than a 15 goal, 17 assist player. So would you rather, if you're able to keep one, the <clears throat> minimum that you can sign Kubelik or the qualifying offer for Kubelik would be 4 million. And the qualifying offer for Dylan Strom would be 3.6. Obviously, you got to go with Strom because yeah, the, of the chemistry. Right. Yeah, you have to because, <laughs> because he does have that chemistry with the Brinkett and Kane. I just, ah, man, I don't think Strom is worth three, what, 3.6, would you say? I don't think he's worth that. 3.6. Yeah, I don't think he's worth that. I, I think he's going to look for between four and six. Yeah, I think he's going to land at five. I Yeah, I... If it's a... Give him a three-year deal at that. A, like, do another bridge deal with him. That's fine. I just don't... Ah, uh, man, I don't know. I just... I don't know why I don't like Strom. I, I, I really don't know why. I, I, I know don't. why. It's because he's been inconsistent. But the issue that I'm saying with that is the fact that the inconsistencies came from the system that he was put in. And, the, and like... I don't know if it was the pressure to perform and then being moved up and down through the lineup and fucking scratched tons of times. So that like has been just shit. But once he finally got into that consistent line, he showed that he belonged on that fucking line. Here is another, I think another thing you got to take in consideration, which is going to be really tough and very interesting to see what decisions they make beforehand is the coaching situation. Oh, like also, he, if we're gonna trade, if we're gonna trade Taves by the at the deadline, I'd like to keep Strom. <laughs> well, that's fair, but right. but I'm just saying though too, like with the coaching situation, you're talking about like oh how the coach Carlton used them, how these coaches used them, all this kind of stuff. Well, what if they sign, say they sign Strom to some like long term deal or whatever, and then the new coach comes in and it just is not the right right fit. So now we're stuck with a long-term Strom, like, you know, long-term with Strom and in this coaching situation, it's not going to work. And it's Carlton all over again. Like that's another huge thing that I think they need to really focus on. You got to qualify their, qualify them offers. I mean, you don't, they don't have to, if they, (laughs) you can offer them lower and if they accept like, then that's great. I think you you qualify for the one-year deal. Well, no, no, there. no, this is what I'm saying. Like yeah. you can offer them a deal that's less than what they're, no, I know. Their, I understand qualifying that. offer yeah. would be. And if they accept it, cool. Great. If they don't accept it, since they are re- restricted free agents, then you could put the qualified offer out there for that minimum, which was four for. Right. Kubelik that's what I'm saying. 3.6 for Strom. Yeah. That's I just what don't saying. think Kubelik's worth four at all. I would like to see one more year of Kubelik. Personally, wow. I don't think, I mean, we've, all right, what's the comparison? How many years have we had Strom? How many years have we had Kubelik? Is it the same? No, I don't think so. I think Strom's More been one year longer. Strom. Okay, if if Strom has had 
four years to figure it out. Let's give Kubalik a fourth year. Three years, yeah. So, if we can give Strom four years of inconsistent hockey, we can give Kubelik one more year to to figure it out. But like, why? <laughs> what else are we like? Why? Why not? I don't know. We're, we could just we could just sign them both. Like, and I don't think they're going to. But I think I think now is the time to give it to him. You give him a, another year. You say, hey, here's a one year deal at your at your qualified offer. Sign it. If you can prove it, awesome. And we I think they're just not going to sign either of them. <laughs> yeah. I still think you sign Strom. I think you do sign Strom. I think you try to keep I that chemistry with the three of those. I don't know. But, uh, man. Well, yeah, that's it. Like, who knows? I think that they should do that. I just don't, I don't know. The other thing with Kubelik, though, too, is that he's not, like, on the top power play. And I think you can get somebody else that would fit in better for around $4 million than Kubelik would. And it's not like he plays the penalty kill. And I, I think it's just one of those things, like you said, he's snakebitten. I think that maybe it's just a change of scenery for him that might, yeah. might do the trick. And, too, it's like it's – what are they looking to get out of next season? Are they looking yeah. for that first overall pick? Are they are they looking to soft compete? Where they, you know, like what what do they expect? Like, and so it's like, where do these two guys fit? And the funny thing too is looking at cap friendly. Speaking of inconsistency, you got Kirby Doc. You have to resign. Yeah, he's owed a contract. Um, Kurashev's owed a contract, and Caleb Jones is owed a contract. Caleb Jones, I like a lot. I hope they're able to, to get something for him. I think he proved himself big time this past year. Yeah, it. I think they move on from Gustafson and Dahan. Oh God, I hope Gus does never wears another Blackhawk uniform again. Well, the advanced stats show that Gustafson was actually has the highest like Corsi, uh, Corsi four percentage. He played like what twelve games? He played fifty nine <laughs> games. Really? Yeah. Oh, 59 games. It's so weird. The like anomaly kind of season that he had where he put up 60 points and then now he can't even touch like 20. It's just so crazy to me that he had that season and then the Hawks didn't capitalize on that. 60, 29, 12, 18. Yikes. In a span of three years. It's just like sank. <laughs> I don't know. I think, yeah, like, especially with the amount of young defensemen that the Hawks have, I think that they move on from Gus. I think that's um, another, another good surprise for this team is, you know, some of the young guys that stepped up and got some ice yeah. time this year, especially Rig- on the back Rigula, end. Regula, Vlasic, I really enjoyed towards the end of the season. Um, throughout the year, Galvis, whenever he played up, I liked what he did. Um, I think that was just like that was some of the ones that I noticed more. Uh, next year, I don't know what do you, I so I was thinking since obviously Toronto is going to be in cap trouble, 
I wonder if the Hawks can get a pick from them. I don't know when they would, but if we took on Morazic. Just thinking about goalies. Because he's still signed for two more seasons after this at 3.8. Woof. Yeah. Hockey fans, the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on in DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets, no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the playoffs with DraftKings same game parlays. You can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot and an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, reliable, and best of all, you can deposit which withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. But he, I mean, I mean, the thing that sucks is he's got a modified no trade clause. So maybe he wouldn't be able to be traded here. Yeah, but that's uh, like, that's just like, you would have somebody that is going to be the starter and that's just filling in until we can find out what we're going to be doing back there. So I, I don't know. I just don't, I don't think Lincoln or Delia are going to be the guy. I think Soder, Soderblom, it might get a look next season. He's still backup. really young though. I still think we need we still need a starter. Like no, I don't yeah, know, maybe they just maybe yeah. they just re-sign Lincoln in and just go, hey man, good luck. <laughs> like I could see that, but I don't know. Maybe Flurry wants to come back. I don't know why he would, unless there was like an agreement to like ship him off at the trade deadline again to a playoff team. Back to Minnesota for a conditional first round again. Yeah, right. I don't know what other any other like surprises or like anything like that. Um, I will say a surprise is the Hawks still finishing what top fifteen in attendance for the year, with ninety three percent of the building sold out every game, which is crazy to me because the building was only like seventy percent sold out when uh, at the beginning of the season. Yeah, so I don't know a fucking mess of a season already the way it started. Yeah, I just there's not much to really talk about here. I mean, not a lot of good surprises. I mean, the bad we've kind of hit on is just this team is in purgatory right now and trying to figure out what is next. We really don't know the direction this team's going until you know, probably until the draft, until, you know, once Yeah. I'm wondering if they make happening. any like make some moves at the draft and like I had mentioned a while ago, but I think one of like McCabe and Murphy needs to be moved. Like you don't, I don't think a team that's rebuilding goes into each season with like three veteran defensemen that are signed for over three more or three year, three years or more. Yeah. With Seth Jones, Connor Murphy, Jake McCabe. I just, like, I think that those guys belong on teams that are like 
going to be competing for the playoffs. I think Connor Murphy's the guy that would get moved too. I think people are more willing to take on his cap hit than four point four. Yeah, the McCabe. McCabe's Murphy... cap hit is, is shorter though too. He's got a year less. Three, yeah. I don't know if that would be important to anybody. Um, I think like pretty much most of the, like McCabe and Dahan were like the leaders in like blocks this year too. That's so if you want a guy that's putting putting his body out there like crazy. Um, Jake McCabe's your guy. Yeah, right. All right, what? Uh, any anything else from this past season really stand out to you? Um, from the Hawks' perspective, just, just so disappointing. Fucking Calvin DeHaan, man, 172 blocks in 69 games. Jake McCabe. 167 blocks in 79 games and Seth Jones 155 blocks in 78 games and Connor Murphy 150 blocks in 57 games four of our defensemen are in the top 20 in block shots so Hawks give up a lot of shots man (laughs) yeah block a lot of shots they give up a lot of shots good luck trying to convince a goalie uh, with a no trade clause to come to Chicago yeah right hey we block shots yeah. So, um, yeah. So the good, the bad, what was there any ugly for you? Not um, including the off ice shit. It's, I mean, just the beginning of the season was so fucking bad. Like that was just brutal. Like going into the year thinking that the Hawks are going to have something possibly special going into the season. And then it's just like a big old fucking goose egg and not like, when's the first win going to happen? Like so bad. Oh, yeah, the highest of highs to the lowest of lows. Yeah. And it sucks just trying to dig yourself out of that basement for, like, the whole season. But I, I'm i glad that, like, there's a there's now a vision of what's going to happen. We're going to see – we're not trying to compete for playoffs. We're going to try and have development, which hasn't happened in forever. Right. And it's going to so, be really hard to do when you don't have your first-round pick because some dumbass – Oh yeah, to protection. I was talking about that in our group text. I was gonna, I was saying, watch Columbus fucking jump up to like first overall with their own pick. They can only go up to number two though, because they can only go up ten spots. They're twelfth. Oh, are you wait? Is that real? Because I don't know. You, I believe so. Okay, I believe I saw. Sure? I, I'm ninety nine percent sure that I saw Draft a post rules. talking about the odds that said the most you can jump up is ten picks. So I don't understand. How could how can teams be eligible that are out of the playoffs at like 14 they would be sitting at? They can only go up to four. I am just re- reporting what I saw. Let me see if I could find it. Yeah, so the draw will be held May 10th with new rules. Two draws only. Teams can move up a max of 10 spots. Beginning this year, teams cannot win any more than two times in a five-year span. Oh, weird. Okay, anyway, so they can move up to second, you said. And then they win, yeah, and then they win. So let's let's say they they move up to second, and then the Hawks would back up to seven. So they would have second and seventh in this draft. Because the Hawks wouldn't, is not 
it's only top two protected, which is right. fucking stupid. Or they fall, or the Hawks pick comes third. How can that happen? I don't know, dude. I don't know how this draft shit works. Oh, I wonder if, like, what would it be if... No, I don't understand. That doesn't make sense. It wouldn't... If, like, the Hawks got second, like, Columbus got first, but they can't. So they would get second, <laughs> and then the Hawks would get back up to third. Yeah, I don't know. You know? So realistically, the Sharks... Ducks, Sabres, Wings, Senators, Columbus via us, New Jersey, Philadelphia, Seattle, Coyotes, and Canadians are the only teams that can win. It's weird. So I guess, yeah, Columbus, Islanders, Jets, Canucks, and Sabres via Vegas. How's that Eichel trade going for you? Um, It's just going to be like, well, fuck, let's just get closer up there. I will say that okay, so I will say this about this team. I like the bones that this team has. I think that they are set up to be a very good team again in the future. And it's just a matter of getting some experience for these young pieces to make that new core, really develop that next core going forward. And then once those pieces start developing a little bit better getting the right supporting pieces to come in and to fill this team out. I, I don't think this is going to be a five-year rebuild. I think this is going to go a lot quicker. Are you frozen? No, I'm just okay. thinking. You're really still there. <laughs> um, I think it's going to go a lot quicker. I think Kane's, Kane and Taze both said it kind of in their end-of-the-year press conference is – it's a different game now. You look at these teams that go through rebuilds and look how fast they're able to do it. For example, LA, uh, the Rangers, like look how fast their turnaround has happened. It's been like a three-year type of deal for them. Now, hopefully we have a smarter person running our shit that's going to be able to figure this out the right way. So I I do not think it's going to take a five, a very long rebuild. Like a five-year rebound is what they were possibly saying i don't think it's gonna be five years i hope it's in that three-year window but i still think we're ready get prepared for some dog shit hockey at least oh, next yeah. year for sure um but as long yeah. as we're prepared for dog shit hockey right. i wasn't prepared for dog shit hockey exactly this year. <laughs> um all right two quick more two quick things here um who is your mvp for the blackhawks this year uh probably caner he's pretty sick I like, I mean, I'm just going to toot to Brinkett's horn all year because he's got some, he's just amazing. Well, I was going to take who you weren't going to take. So you take Kane. I'll, I'll take Debrinket. Okay, I'll take Kane then. <laughs> yeah, Debrinket's my, my favorite player on the Hawks right now. He's so fucking good. He's insane. I, that man is insane. Okay. And last thing, what is one thing you want to see this offseason? Um, and we're going to go into more details about this, this team as this off season goes on and, and all that kind of stuff, but this is just a quick little, little wrap up here. So you don't have to go to something crazy, but. I think I want to see, I don't know, man. I just want to see not stupid fucking moves. <laughs> I would like, 
to see some trades that better the Hawks for the future and not like that backward shit we did last year where it's like, oh, rebuild JK, LOL. We're going to actually try and make the playoffs. Okay. Like, I'm fine with moving a lot of guys as long as it's not like Kane, Debrinkit, Doc. I think Radish is good to hold on to. I feel like Radish is going to get flipped like a Hagel situation where he's going to build his value and then we're going to get another like two fucking first form. I don't know. Yeah, I hope not. I think, I think he's the perfect like replacement. Um, and one of the things that I thought was a little bit like crazy unfair is like Kachuk who also came over in that, in that. Uh, Still don't think that's a real person. Yeah. Who also came over in that trade. It's like, oh, how is Radish shining so brightly? He's got 10 points in 21 games, and Kachuk's only got fucking one goal in 21 games. You look at his defensive zone starts. Oh, my God. Let me find it real quick. He he starts, like, in the defensive zone. 95% of his starts on faceoffs were in the defensive zone. Kachuk. This man does not get to play offense. <laughs> so the fact that they have, like, completely like wide discrepancy in points doesn't mean that it was like one guy's way better than the other. Like this guy's just not getting a chance to play fucking offense situation hockey. And I think he's been like, when he's out there, he, he's been fucking pretty, pretty great. Um, I enjoyed watching him play. He, he's got a lot of fucking hits, <laughs> 40 hits in 21 games. The big boy. He better have a lot of hits. All right. Radish is like six four though. That's yeah, I guess. See, I, that's what I'm saying. Like, we're they're getting the Hawks are getting size. Six three. He's six three. Fucking Alec for Alec Alex Vlasic's fucking six seven. Man, watching him, we were up in the six, fucking six. nosebleeds in the game against Vegas. And even from up there, I was like, holy shit, that kid is fucking huge. Like, Jesus. Um, yeah, the one thing I want to see too this offseason is I want them to bring in a coach that yeah. I'm really the coach lately. I'm really like somebody that not only can give these like younger players like the confidence they need and you know trust them and, and let them build, but somebody that once this team's ready to turn the corner, he's able to to do that. Like, I don't want a developmental coach. And then as soon as we're about to comp compete, okay, well, we got to fire him or we're going to bring in somebody else. Like, I want somebody that can be with this team for years to come so that we're not going right. through new system and system and system every time. Kirby Doc should not have to go through three or four systems before his fourth season in the NHL. Like, I hope that there is somebody that's going to be very consistent there. Um, and I don't know who that could be. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, I'm just hoping, you know, progress. Stop regressing. Like the Hawks have just been regressing for the past few seasons, like more and more. And it's fucking annoying. Have fun out there. Have fun out there, boys. Yeah. Just go out there and play some hockey. You're going to pay to play a game. I want to see Kaner, Kaner break some records to bring it. I want to see hit 50. It's like the, the like little things to look forward to. Like, I'm like, that's all. I want to see some guys like start to shine, like, you know, 
I want to see some pleasant surprises. Like, I feel like every other team gets like, yeah, this guy came out of nowhere. Like fucking, what was it? Tage Thompson on Buffalo scores 38 fucking goals. Like, I didn't even know who he was before, like halfway, the, halfway through the season. Yeah. And, and like, that's actually somebody they got in the Ryan O'Reilly trade. Buffalo's going to be good, man. I don't know, man. It's Buffalo. Buffalo's going to Buffalo, dude. I don't know. I got, I think Buffalo's going to be good before the Hawks are good again. They should be. They've been bad for a lot longer. <laughs> um. All right. Yeah. One last thing for Hot Talk. I forgot about this. Um. So the Rockford Ice Hogs are in the AHL playoffs. They're best three series against, I think, Dallas's team, the Texas Stars. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. They also just announced that Colton Dock and Nolan Allen are going to be playing. Oh, really? Um, yeah. So that'll be that'll be good to see. Um, I know Nolan Allen. They're kind of they're kind of high on. So yeah, they're really. I mean, I don't know if it's this like front office that is, but the previous one was because apparently he wasn't even ranked anywhere near the first round, and then they took him at thirty second. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, so that'll be that'll be good. If they win that series, though, they got a matchup with the Chicago Wolves. So. Chicago Wolves is the best team in the NHL, so it'll be it'll be fun, fun hockey there. But let's switch it up to some NHL talk here. Unless you got anything else? No, I'm done talking with the Hawks. All right. <laughs> so let's go from talking about shit hockey to let's talk about some incredible hockey. What a year this was. Holy shit. Yeah. Um fuck, man. You have all eight teams in the Eastern Conference with hundred plus points. Um, you have, I fucking should have wrote this down, but how many guys finished the year with a hundred points? I think it was eight or nine. Pretty yeah, sure. Eight or nine. Then you had fucking JT Miller one point off. What the fuck was that about? Jesus. Yeah. JT Miller had a six season. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight players. Connor McDavid, only, career high. Only like six different teams, too. <laughs> yeah. Matthew Kachuk, 104. Austin Matthews, 106. Austin Matthews with the most goals in Toronto Maple Leaf history with 60 this year. He joins the 60 goal club. Wasn't it the most goals by an American born player, too, in a season? I think so. That sounds right. Pretty crazy. And then you also had, so you had JT Miller, Mitch Marner had 97 points, Panarin with a gentleman's 96, um, Roman Yossi with a fucking 96 points. What the fuck yeah, did that come first, from? First time since like what, the mid 90s that a defenseman scored over 90 points? Was it since like Brian Leach or something? I think so, yeah. Yeah, y- Yossi just exploded when March came around. Like, there was some great hockey there. Uh, Isn't it so crazy that, like, I feel Nashville, ever since they came out or, like, came around, I feel a majority of their seasons have finished with a defenseman leading their team in points, whether it was Shea Weber or Roman Yossi. Yep. And it's just so weird. Ovechkin still putting up 50 goals. Yeah. Like the dude is on a mission for Gretzky. Yeah, man. Fucking Chris Kreider coming out of nowhere and getting 52. Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> like just great overall hockey. Um, so yeah, we wanted to go through real quick. They haven't announced anybody he before. 
he didn't even touch 30 any season before that, and he hits 52 this year. He's juicing, man. He must be. Is he in a contract season? No, he just oh, signed. He just it, signed. You know? Yeah, because they were like they were talking about trading him, and then he's they signed him for like long term instead. Dude, how about the Rangers with the fucking signings of the year this year? They signed Chris Kreider long term, and then they also made that deal with uh, Igor Shosturkin. Fucking fifty-two goals out of Kreider, and then likely Vesna winner in Shosturkin. Just and then that's what you're talking about with like the rebuild situation with the Rangers. Like you get shit like that. You get Kreider who's thirty-one, so he has gone through the rebuild. He's stuck with the team. They had a bunch of pieces that they like have been kind of building around. They made a huge free agent signing with Artemi Panarin. They drilled the draft lottery and got Capo Caco and Alexi Lafreniere. And they're going to have those guys for the next however the fuck long. Um, then they go out and just acquire like the small little pieces. And now they're just a dominant fucking team. But it's, it has to do with like, I don't know, kind of getting lucky in the draft. They did get lucky with like the Adam Fox trade because he didn't want to sign where I forgot where he got drafted Calgary. Yeah. And then he, him being so fucking good. Like there's a, there's just a lot of little things that can, that can really accelerate a rebuild and the Rangers probably hit on every single one of those fucking things though. And the problem was with the Hawks is that we really don't have that in our system yet. So we really got a whole, well, that's what I'm saying. Like the yeah. thing about that is like, not all of that is like system stuff. Andrew, are like, Adam Fox came from somewhere else. Panarin came out of Columbus and Chicago. Like, I don't even know when they drafted Shesterkin, but like, I'm fucking jealous. <laughs> um. So yeah, we wanted to do real quick, like our award, who we would nominate for each. 2014, they drafted in fourth round, 28th overall, or 28th pick. Shesterkin. Yeah, 118th overall. Damn. Damn. And again, that also shows. Remember. Goalies take a little bit to develop. So yeah. we got Drew, you can say his last name. Comesso. And he's only 19 years old. You're probably looking at five or six years before he becomes a factor for this team. Yeah. And I mean, that doesn't even mean much because if anything, the like sixth goalie drafted that that year can end up being like the best one in the fucking NHL in like five years from now. Right. Like, so it's a crapshoot when it comes to drafting goalies. So we are going to name our top three candidates for, we'll say that Hart, the Norris, the Vesna, the Calder. And Selkie. What's the Selkie again? <laughs> Defensive forward. Defensive forward, that's okay. I'm just going to shoot him off. And I'm just going to read them with you because I really don't look at that aspect of the game as much as you do. So whatever oh, for you say, sure. Um, so let's go. Let's start with the heart. Um, who do you got? Uh, uh, Shesterkin. Um, I, like, you got to put McDavid up there. Lead the league in points. And then, uh, I don't know, I think, I think probably Johnny Gaudreau. Because it's insane to me that he had 90 fucking points at even strength. Okay, I agree. Or, I don't know, man. Like maybe also Austin Matthews, one of the as instead of one of those other. So two. you can go with McDavid, Shazerkin, Goudreau. I'm yeah. going McDavid, Matthews, Goudreau. It's pretty sick. I think. I that, mean, it's it's a good year. 
it's a, it's a tough year. It's like, I don't think anybody's really run away with it. But personally, I do think uh, Shesterkin should fucking win it. Oh, yeah, um, 100%. But I just, I feel like this is just not seen as a goalie award. Oh, yeah. That's what he's got against him, going against him, I think. Well, yeah, the last time it was won was by Carey Price. And Carey Price had a worse save percentage than Shesterkin does right now. So I think so, that's pretty insane. Out of your three, who wins it? Shesterkin. I think he should. Okay. What if it was like, all right, Shesterkin wins the heart, but I don't think he wins the Vesna. That would be hilarious. <laughs> no, no, like, yeah, I think he, he's going to take both of those. Um, I'm going with Austin what's Matthews. The, what's the other one? Um, is it the Ted Lindsay? Which is the that's one like that's the a, players. voted on by the players? Yeah. That's the that's the sweep that uh Carey Price had with the Lindsay, the Hart, and the Vesna. Yeah. I could see that happening. I think it's gonna be a tough, like it's not like unanimous, but I could see it happening. All right. And I got McDavid, or I'm sorry, I got Matthews winning the heart. I just think yeah. for what he's done. Yeah, he's had this insane pretty, pretty incredible season too. Um, all right, Norris trophy. I have Yossi, Makar, and Fox. I think that's what I would have too. Let me just search by defenseman. Um, I mean, it's hard not to put fucking Hedman in there. I know. I kind of feel like Hedman it's got, it's got to be. It's, it, yeah, like it's insane how well like the defensemen are like right now, like offensively. But yeah, I would go Yossi McCarr Hedman. And I think Yossi gets it. <laughs> I think without a doubt, Yossi gets it. He gets it because it's the stupid stat now, but I think McCarr should get it. So I'm going McCarr. Yossi fucking was what? Fifth in the league in assists through for all players. Like, that's crazy. All right, Vesna, we know who you're taking. Uh, Anderson, McCarr, and um, Christian, Jari, Christian Jari, right? That's your three. <clears throat> Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> no, you oh, got wait, what? Shesterkin. 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 Uh, I mean, who else did I have? Shesterkin. I'm on Markstrom. Um, Sorokin. Who? I don't know how the Islanders were so bad and Sorokin had a good year. It's fucking weird. Um, Shesterkin, Sorokin, and then I couldn't really decide between. Freddie Anderson and Jacob Markstrom, but I think I was going to go with Markstrom um, just because it's having nine fucking shutouts is kind of incredible too. And leading my team to a Kendrick championship. I got to go with Markstrom. So um, I'm taking the only one I'm switching out is Sorkin. I'm changing him for a Freddie Anderson. Hmm. Okay. It doesn't really matter because just Sorkin is getting this yeah. one without a doubt. It's yeah. He has like the best save percentage in years for goalies. Like I don't, I don't even know what's the all time. Oh, I don't want all time. I want by season, but I want like the past. Uh, since let's say like since 91, 90, 90, 91 season. Oh my god, I need filters. <laughs> let's say. 
Oh, son of a bitch. Sorry, I'm trying to like do this quickly, but it's like not, <laughs> not that quick. Oh, whatever. Never mind. Oh wait, this is playoffs, motherfucker. I don't want. All right, this is dumb. Never mind. I wanted it just by season. And I wanted to know who had the best save percentage in a season within the last, like, fucking 30 years. Oh, I don't want to sum results. Yes, there we go. Okay, so here, I nailed it. <laughs> Tim Thomas had a 9.38 in 2010-2011. Dominic Hoshik had a 9.37 in 98-99. And then Chisterkin. Since is has the third best save percentage since 1990 with 935. Yeah. Carrie Price, um, that year that he won the Vesna Hart and Ted Lindsay, he had a 933. So that's crazy. It's crazy good. All right. Calder. Oh, uh, you go first. All right. I have cider. Mm. Yes. I have Bunting. Yep. And then I'm just going because I don't want to do two Red Wings. I am doing uh, Zegers. Yeah, I can see that. <clears throat> I think Lucas Raymond's going to be in there involved in that too. I think he could potentially. I don't be think he will. I don't think he'll be involved just because Cider will be in it. Um, I'm going and- with Cider winning. Out of out of like the forwards, he's third in points. I think the one of the craziest things this season too for rookies is Cole Caulfield, and the fact that he had one goal, I think by February 9th, and he finished the season with twenty three. Yeah, that was stupid. You sent oh. something that you wanted to remember. I think that's what it was. <laughs> yeah, it was about Cole Caulfield. Let me see. It you... was it was him. He literally had one goal. Until the 9th of February. I, th- I want to make sure that I'm right on yeah, this. Yeah, Cole Caulfield, one goal back of the rookie scoring lead. Uh, TJ has 24. Caulfield has 23. Caulfield had one goal on February 9th. Yeah. And then so on February 10th, he scored his second goal and then finished the season with 23 total. Like... Also, the, was I forgot to mention this at the end of the season. How crazy is it that Florida lost to, like, the President's Trophy te- winning team? I know they weren't playing everybody, but they lost to the last place team in the league, ten to two. <laughs> and it was them honoring Guy Lafleur, uh, Guy Lafleur that day too. Guy Lafleur. Guy Lafleur. Yeah, and um, there was another stat that had uh, came out that was uh, Montreal had never finished the season with a goal differential of over minus a hundred. And at the beginning, before that last game, they were at minus 107, but they won by eight. So they finished the season at minus 99 goal differential. So there's still, (laughs) how how silly is that? Like, it's so stupid. I fucking love it. Uh, Um, Who's your Calder? I it's, I think more it's cider is going to be the Calder for me. It was. It's hard, though, because I feel like Bunting has a really good chance. Yeah, it's a Bunting's got the, the Panarin situation going. It, that doesn't matter, though. I know, it doesn't matter, but it's like a lot of people are like, crying about it. 
which is funny. A lot of people crying about it were the ones crying about Panarin, and they or they're not crying about it. Were ones crying about Panarin, but now it's or, their guy. I mean, so Kapri- they're all Kaprizov happy. though too. Right. He won it, and he's like twenty five. The other thing though too is like Bunting was a plus twenty seven. Um, Zegers does have a better points per game, barely than Bunting, but. I, don't know. I, think I think Bunting protect- gets hurt because he played on that very good Toronto team where it's kind of expected. Yeah. His should go well, up the, like well, the crazy thing, too, is that um, most of his points were from even strength. He only had five power play points. So even though that team's so stacked, he didn't he wasn't really on that power play. Yeah. Um, but I think the other thing, too, is like, I don't know how much of it's going to show like Zegris and just how fucking insane that man is at just doing just the nastiest shit on the ice. Corral's like, be punching the air when he gets nominated. And if he wins, Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, all yeah. right. So your, your, or your picks for Selkie. Um, all right. So Selkie, like this is one of those things where I, uh, I really want to put Dabrinkit in there because he was sixth in takeaways for forwards. I don't know if I could. <laughs> Is it? Are they gonna show the stat here? All right, I gotta pull up the other. I gotta pull up it. Pull it up real quick. But um, I know the one thing that's gonna sound sound a little crazy is one of my picks is gonna be Austin Matthews. Okay. He actually led the league in takeaways this year. Um, I don't even know if he gets a lot of uh, like penalty kill time though. What am I fucking looking at right now? <laughs> All right. Sorry, I'm trying to find it. I had it earlier. Can I don't you... even know where to look. I'm just looking for like takeaways and like penalty kills and stuff like that. But I'm fucking lost. That's not what I want. <clears throat> Let's see this one. I don't know where I found it before. Um, you just this. like to be fancy with your defensive stats. It's probably going to be like, you know, Bergeron and <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna have Austin Matthews in it. I can guarantee it. Um. I'm just going to say the Austin Matthews and DeBrinket and uh, if I can find the fucking stats page, that'd be great. I don't know why I can find it. Advanced stats. Takeaways. Hey, fucking Christ. <laughs> All right. Leon Dreisaitl had second most takeaways for forwards. So did, and then Connor McDavid, Mitch Marner, Sebastian Ajo, and then DeBrinket. Um, what else was I looking for? Oh my god, this is just a mess. Oh my god, watch Patrice Bergeron's gonna fucking win it. Doesn't matter, who cares? Bergeron, okay, (laughs) I'll put him down for you. I think that the Brinkett should get a vote. I think Austin Matthews should get a vote, but I think that I mean, they're just gonna be like, it's the Bergeron trophy anyway, so yeah, whatever. All right, so let us know about... That's such a fucking mess. 
Let us know about your award winners. I'm sure we'll start hearing uh, the nominees here soon. We'll see how close we were. Um, let's wrap this up real quick here. We have uh, been talking for a minute, but um, yeah. first round playoff matchups. We'll do this really quick. Um, all right. So Colorado versus Nashville. They opened up their series tonight and halfway through the first period. And it is four nothing Colorado at the moment. I think they came to play. Yeah. Um, I took Colorado in five games. I'm feeling stupid about that now. I'm feeling probably should took Colorado in four. I uh, I think I took Colorado in five as well. I don't even know which one I did. Let me choose. Let me choose my. Uh, the Our podcast bracket that I've made. Everyone. You I can chose. Choose. Oh, I chose Colorado in four. Okay, cool. Four. <laughs> All right. Um, and then you have Minnesota versus St. Louis. They kicked off uh, the other night. St. Louis won, what, four nothing as well? Yeah. Um, I took Minnesota in that series in six games. I got Minnesota in seven. I just think, yeah, I think that one's going seven. Also, I love the fact that uh, Jordan Bennington's not starting. I fucking love it. Fucking Talk about a controversy at the end during the offseason. What are you gonna do, St. Louis? Um, here's another series that's kicking off tonight. Uh Calgary versus Dallas. I took Calgary in six. <clears throat> God, you're still paying Jordan Bennington six million dollars for I don't know how what five, six years. <laughs> One, two, three, four, oh, five more seasons, six mil, and then Billy Huso is needs a deal at the end of the season. Yikes. Yikes. Stuck at St. Louis. Uh, Calgary, Dallas. Man, you got you said what, Calgary? I took Calgary in six. I did too. And the scary thing is I, I forgot to look at I, – I didn't check out the stats beforehand, but the fact that probably the best line five-on-five five in the NHL this year was Goudreau, Lindholm, and uh, Kachuk this year, I think that's a pretty big – thing to have going into the playoffs when not a lot of penalties get called. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then the, the last in the Western conference, uh, Edmonton versus LA. I'm going off of the one we're doing for our fantasy league, okay. not the podcast one. So I took LA and seven. <laughs> I did too. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think Edmonton's going to win the first round. I know like every bracket I made, I think I chose LA. I think I took Edmonton in seven in the pod or the, the podcast bracket challenge, but um, all right. So then moving on to the Eastern conference, Florida and Washington, Washington came back in one game one. I'm still sticking with Florida in six because I've been riding those guys all year round. I got a Florida in five. All right. Um, Tampa, Toronto, this is going to be a fun series. I have Tampa in seven because I'm taking your <laughs> advice from last year. Yeah. Until they prove it, I'm not taking them. And I want seven games from this series after game one. Toronto's just going to they, – they are going to lose in the last game of the first round, no matter who it's against and no matter if it's the actual first round of the play-in. It's You're taking Tampa in seven? Tampa in seven. All right. Uh, Even though Cal- Toronto won huge yesterday – 
that's one game in. Yeah, I know. That's what they're going to do. They're, they set themselves up for fucking it major kinda, it disappointment. Would be, it would be kind of cool if they went up and lost four in a row, though, after that. They are yeah. like, I guarantee they fucking do that, man. Um, all That's right. Hilarious. Carolina versus Boston. I took Carolina in six. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so did I. <laughs> That's why we do a podcast together. Well, yeah, <laughs> you know what we're talking about. Um, last but not least, we have the Rangers and Pittsburgh. I took Who's in Pittsburgh. overtime right now, too. Yeah. I took Pittsburgh in seven. Ooh, in I took Rangers in seven. Rangers in seven. I just don't think Pittsburgh is going to be able to do it, even though Casey DeSmith is playing well tonight. Without having Tristan Jari, I think they're kind of screwed. But, I mean, they still have Crosby, Malkin, and, and, like, all those guys. So, that's why I think it's going to go seven. Anyway. You yeah, you can't really, like – Count those guys out. So. Can't rule them out. And I think they just showed, like, I think it's Louis Deming is their backup. Oh, jeez. But all that right, like so it. that's our picks for the first round. Um, I think that about does it for this episode. This is episode one seventy five. Tanner, what do you want to call it? Uh, playoff time. I don't know. I feel like last year we might have one called playoff time, baby. <laughs> um, playoff uh, time. Two K twenty two. Uh boy. <laughs> I don't know. Who are we like what hawks are we rooting for? Are you rooting for Carpenter in Calgary, Hagel in Tampa? I feel like no. I'm missing somebody. Mark um, Andre Minnesota. Mark Andre Edmonton. Keith and Edmonton. Yeah. I was trying to think, like, should we be like, let's go, let's go former Hawks? <laughs> no. uh, we'll just do playoff time. Yeah, playoff time 2.0. If that's if that's the if that's the thing. Um, yeah, so make sure to follow us on all social media at WCB Podcast, like us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, subscribe to the YouTube Podcast, subscribe to the YouTubes, uh, leave reviews, uh, promo code THPN at DraftKings.com. Um, yeah, other than that, we'll see you on the next one. All right, bye boys. Love you. Bye. The Windy City Benders Podcast. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. And follow the boys on socials at WCB Podcast.